You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. My sermon this morning, secure your undivided devotion. Secure your undivided devotion. So just as we did last week, we started a new series called A Faith for All Seasons. And we are going to be, in this series, we're we're looking at the the different stages of life, starting from early childhood, like like we looked at last week, and going all the way up to elderly age. And we're going to look at a biblical perspective, a biblical view on each of these stages, and how our faith ought to look like in those stages. In order that we might be encouraged if we are in that stage of life, though we'll be discussing that week, or uh, so we can learn how to encourage those who might be in that stage of life. And as we last week, we discussed uh, children and children and and the value of children. Of course, the foremost reason of of why children are valued is because they they are made in the image of God. They are image bearers of the Lord. But we also discussed how they, were, they are treasured by God and are a blessing from the Lord, an inheritance from the Lord. We also talked about the vocation of children, to, to that they are called to obey their parents in both action and honor their parents in attitude as well. To, and, and it's at that early stage that, uh, that, that they are more receptive and, and ought to be taught the things of God, the truths of God's word. That's why they, they are very, they're much in, their children are very much impressionable at their age. Of course, we also talked about a vision for children, for our church, and that parents ought to be the ones discipling their kids and, and take the responsibility of their, the, the, the faith of their kids. It's, it's, the parents to, to, it's the parents' job to, to walk with their kids in the truths of God's word. And of course, as a church community, we ought to be helping and discipling and equipping these parents to enable them to effectively disciple their kids. Now, this morning, the next stage of life that we'll be discussing is that of youth and young adults, or more commonly called the the single days, or the single years of life, That, 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 that stage of life where you're no longer a child, and you're starting to get responsibilities and, and maybe starting to look for a job or you're becoming more independent and, and at the same time you don't have any dependents, meaning you don't have a wife or kids. Uh, maybe you have some parents to take care of, right? And maybe you're still, it's that age of life where you're planning, you're saving for the future. And uh, of course, you, you're, it's that age of life that is, is better known as the single years. If, if childhood is the spring of life, this season that we're talking about this morning, the youth and young adults or the young professionals, the single years, is, it's the summer of life. It's where all the energy is. It's, you know, you're, you're going out with friends and staying out late nights and, and you know, your, your back doesn't creak when you wake up in the morning, right? Like, enjoy it because once you hit 30, it's like everything falls apart, um, but it's also the most innovative. It's also the most innovative time of the of your of your life. You you have a hunger to explore, to discover, to to learn and experience new things. You you feel unstoppable, right? You you feel like you can conquer the world at times. Yet, as much as this season can be the best of times, it can also be the worst of times. Of course, there is pressure in this season. 
Pressure maybe to finish school, to start a career, to find a job, to find a spouse, to be, to be financially stable. Sometimes you can feel directionless or even disillusioned. It's that stage of life where, the, where, where they say that it's a loss of innocence, where you're no longer an innocent child and you start viewing the world in different ways. Or you can, at most times, can feel the loneliest of times. You're feeling as if you're not understood or you just desire companionship, love, and to, be, to belong somewhere, a community, or to, to have someone to love. So now the world's answer to all of that, to the world's answer to that stage of life is to party it up, right? To experiment, to try everything, make, make every mistake in the world, fill that void of loneliness by sleeping around with whoever you want, indulging in whatever you want. Pour all your energy into your work, into your career, into your education. Put it all out there. You know, numb yourself from dealing with the, with the actual issues of life. Solve everything with superficial, substance-level things of this world. In addition to that, it's that stage of life where the world says, question everything. All traditional values, everything that's been tried and true for centuries, question it all. Decide for yourself. Follow your heart. You, you define yourself. You redefine yourself. You determine your identity and the purpose of your existence. That's what the world says that you're supposed to do in this stage of life. Now the problem with that approach, well, the problem with the world's approach is that aside from the spiritual aspects of sin that's involved, it leaves most people empty and broken and full of regret for some, it even keeps them in that mental state of, of being in that season of, of, of singleness. The, it's that the guy or the girl that still looks back fondly on high school days, who always tries to li- relive the university or college years. And traditionally, tr- the church's answer has, has not been as great as well. It's, the church's answer it traditionally has been, find a spouse, settle down, get married, as if that is the answer or the goal to your singleness, to your years of, of, of singleness or youth or young adults or young professionals. Listen, and let's be clear, I, we've talked about this before, marriage is not the answer or the goal to your singleness. Marriage is not the answer or the goal to your singleness. It will not answer your deepest longings, it will not answer the deepest cravings of your soul Married couples, I'm sure you, you can all attest to this, maybe you won't even admit to this, but sometimes married couples still feel alone, still feel misunderstood. You don't, you don't suddenly become uh, stress-free once you get married or you get into a relationship or you have kids. Trust me, it gets, you get more uh, responsibilities, maybe more pressure from being married and, and having kids. All of that to say that the season of marriage is not an answer to the season of singleness. And it should not be presented as the goal in that stage. And that's what Paul's talking about, in fact, in our passage. All the way from the, if you want to look back a bit in our chapter, there, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 to 8, he says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried man, or to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. 
Paul is encouraging believers to remain as they are, to remain in that season of singleness if they are not yet married. Now, in our passage, Paul gives a couple of reasons as to why this is the case, and we'll see that this morning. But his main push is to elevate the value and the perspective on that season, on that season of singleness. Even from what we just read, verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as myself am, meaning him being single, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. He calls singleness as a gift from God. He's trying already to change the perspective of Christians about this season. You have to understand the context, the cultural and historical context of the people that Paul is writing this letter to, right? It's very similar to our day. When you come of age, your goal was to be betrothed, to find a spouse, to have kids, start a family. That was a pressure of the culture and society of ancient times. Again, very much like our culture and, 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 and society today. Sometimes. But so what Paul is suggesting is completely radical. It's completely new. It's, 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 it's something different than what people would have expected in those days. And I'm sure even what we expect today, if even in, again, in Christian homes, Christian families, we get the pressure to find a spouse once we're done school or once we, it, it, we're, we've come of age. Even pastors from the pulpit trying to to set, you know, members up with one another, single members up with one another. It's for good reason to to expand our children's ministry, right? But, you know, but at the same time, that's not the culture that Paul is trying to present in, in God's word. Now, to be clear, Paul does not say that marriage is bad. He does not forbid marriage, in fact. And we've read this already in our passage. In fact, he says quite the opposite. He says in verse 36, over a passage, he says, if anyone thinks that he's not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is not a sin. Paul is saying, if you're going to pursue marriage, your passion, your love, your desire, commitment to your betrothed has to be on another level. Otherwise, you are entering into a marriage ill-prepared or in sometimes not fully committed. Paul is saying you need to be fully devoted to that cause, to that plan of marriage if you want to enter into that. And so he's, again, he's not saying that it's, he's not forbidding people to get married. Paul sees both the season of singleness and marriage as a gift, in fact. But his main point in this chapter is to elevate the value of singleness. And so our hope for us this morning, the goal for us this morning is I want to encourage every single person in our church community and anyone who's listening to this sermon. Those who are asking, you know, why am I here? What what am I supposed to do in this season of life? Those who are frustrated in their singleness, uh, who who think that they'll be single forever, that things are never going to change. My desire, like Paul in this chapter, is to bring new focus new perspective into your single years, into your season of singleness, to remind you from God's word the value, the vocation of your, and the vocation of your season, as well as a set of vision for those who are in that season, for us who, in the community of believers, who, 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 will, who, who need to surround those who are in this season, to surround and support them in this season. So, with that said, I, I, 
we're going to, similar to how we looked at last week, the, the, the value, the vocation, and the vision for children. This, this morning, we'll be looking at the value, vocation, and a vision for those who are in the single season. So let's jump into our passage and let's discuss this. First and foremost, let's talk about the value in singleness. The value in singleness. The value in singleness that, that Paul wants to present to us in our chapter is that those who are single have, uh, get the opportunity to focus on the things of God. Focus on the things of God. Verse 32, look at that with me. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Paul's main argument for singleness is that in that season, you get to focus on the things of God. In fact, in verse 35, he even goes on to say, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay restraint upon you, but to promote good order, meaning what is right, and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul's argument is that when, when you're single, with no responsibilities to provide for any dependents, any spouse or kids, you can pursue the things of, of God with greater focus. Now, now, Paul isn't, by the way, saying that married people can't focus on the things of God. He's not saying that. He's simply stating a fact, a reality that those who are married, those who are parents, the, the people group that we're going to be looking at next week, their focus can be divided, and rightly so. God, in that season, has gifted us who are married, who are our parents, with, our, with responsibilities to faithfully steward and, and serve our spouse and children. That's part of our call in that season. That's not something to dread, and that's not something um, that, that, that is a deterrent to our faith or a focus to God. It's just a different angle in which we need to approach serving the Lord and giving Him glory in that season. But it does get tiring. That's what Paul is, start, is, is trying to state. It does divide our focus to some degree. He's simply stating a fact. You know, just an example. It's funny enough that, that we're talking about this specifically this morning. But so uh, Faye and the kids are not here. They've come down with some sort of, I guess, stomach flu or something like that. And, you know, with me last night trying to prepare for this, for this word, this sermon this morning, but then having to run back and forth and help out Faye and kids, it does get tiring, right? The, the focus does get divided. And so Paul is simply stating a fact that this is a reality for those who are married or those who are, have kids, that their focus on God will be divided, not just on the things of God in, in terms of his kingdom work and building up his churches, but also their family, as we'll see next week this is, this, is, this is something specific for those who are in that season. So now Paul's saying that the value of signal, singleness is in being able to focus all your attention, all your efforts, all your energy on the things of God. All that energy and passion, that innovation, that desire of, of exploration, that, that, that the reckless abandon to throw yourself into something without care for the world and without fear of consequence, that, 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 that sentiment of being able to do whatever you could in that season, God calls us to focus it all onto Him. Focus it into His kingdom. Again, compare that to the world where the, the, the call of the world is to focus it into yourself, all your energy, all your passions, all your desires, to turn it inwards. God's word 
through Paul is saying to turn it towards God. This season of life, the season of singleness to believers ought to be where they focus on the Lord and his kingdom. Focus on, on, on being used by God, doing great and glorious things for the Lord because you have the energy, you have the time, you have the passion, the drive, the willingness to explore and to discover. Might as well use it for the honor and glory of God. God often uses this season to be, in people's lives to, to become missionaries, to plant churches, to be frontliners in the church, or in, to be frontliners of the faith. And, and plus, life, by the way, is a great example of that. This community, this church, was started by a bunch of single Bible nerds, as I keep saying, right? In a basement, in our parents' basement, right? But yet God used that group of individuals to start something, to start something for his kingdom, to build his church. And not necessarily, and, and again, you know, it's not necessarily having to go in a, in a, in a far-off country to serve God, or, or, or just, it can simply just be serving your local church, investing, pouring out, loving the local church, using your time and energy to, to pick up an instrument, to learn it, just to be able to help lead in worship, or, or invest your resources towards the endeavor of, of building up the children's ministry, or or whatever else the local church might need. Use your talents, use your energy, use your passion while you still have it for the glory and building for the glory of God and building up his kingdom. Now, now I just want to make a note in term, in our passage here when Paul uses the word anxiety in our in our in our passage, right? The, the, the word there for, for anxiety is better translated to care or concern. Now, it's not the bad kind of anxiety or being anxious that lacks faith. Paul is not saying that singleness is without concern or worry. In fact, what he's saying, if you look at uh, what he's talking about here, is the, in, at least the context of it is in verse 25, the beginning of our passage. He says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. He goes on to say, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from, wife, or, or free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And, he go, and the summary of everything he's saying goes at the end of verse 28. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Paul is, speaking, Paul is speaking of suffering and persecution as a result of a life that is dedicated to the gospel, a life that is dedicated to the Lord. Paul is bringing to mind the difficulty of, of someone who desires to pursue the Lord and what the, the effects that it might have if, they, if that person has a family or kids. The trouble that might find that they might find uh, following them as they serve the Lord, and that could spill over to their kids and family. This is what Paul. This is why Paul desires people to be, uh, or this is the, the the trouble that Paul desires to spare people in the first place. He's saying that you know if you want to live a life, a radical life for the Lord, invest everything into the Lord. Just. Be cautious. The, 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 the point in time has grown short. There's, the, there's a present distress. 
People are being persecuted for the faith. Be weary. I would rather spare you the trouble of having to experience your family going through that, your, your children having to go through that persecution. And we see examples of this. Remember during the pandemic out west in Alberta when churches were told to shut down, but then some churches remained open. And you see the videos of, of officers arresting pastors, taking them away from their family members, their kids. Heartbreaking. That's, that's anxiety. That's, the, that's, that's what Paul wants to spare those who desire to follow after Christ. That's his, that's his perspective. So the value, in, the value in singleness is that you, you get to focus on the things of God. An application, if you are single, use this season wisely. Serve, use your energy Use the, 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 your innovative ideas and your passion to serve the Lord, to serve Him globally or even locally. Use it in this season. Let's talk about the vocation, uh, the vocation in singleness, the vocation in singleness, and the call, so to speak, the call for those who are single is to grow in the things of God, to grow in the things of God. The only way to truly secure your undivided devotion to the Lord is if you are growing in the Lord. Look at verse 34 with me towards the latter half of that. It says, Paul says, The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. Paint, or Paul paints a picture of growing, of maturity, of learning and discovering how to be holy in both body and spirit. To be set apart, not just externally, but internally. And I think this is very important because a lot of young people, a lot of young adults in, in this generation are being taught that, it, that in, this, in this stage of life, you are, to, you are to change yourself externally. To discover your identity, who you are, to make a statement in the world. And that all looks, and how all of that looks like is externally, your appearance how you present yourself to, towards the world. But as we know in Scripture, for true change to take place, it needs to develop internally. Real change happens from the inside out by the renewing of your mind, by saturating one's heart in, in the, the Word of God, shaping one's worldviews and desires and dreams by the Spirit of God, the truths of God. And similar to the vocation of, or, or call of children that we talked about last week, the call for those who are single, for those who are in this season, is to grow in their relationship with God. As Paul said, to secure your, your undivided devotion to the Lord. Just as Paul encourages young and single Timothy in, in his letters to him, he says, do, do, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. He also says to Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth, but set, uh, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. The same call goes out to every young person, every young adult, every young professional, every single person who is in this season. You are to grow in your walk with God, externally and internally. Internally meaning by, by the careful study and handling of God's word by meditating on it day and night, 
by planting it deep in your heart, externally meaning by the faithful practice and demonstration of God's word. The application here is, if you're in this season of singleness, if you're interested in working on yourself, discovering who you are, figuring out your identity, all of that, listen, it starts with God. And it starts internally. It starts with your relationship with God. Knowing more of his word, spending more time in his presence, growing deeper in prayer, in your prayer life. All of that, so that your conduct and your behavior would change as well. I want to encourage those who are single to to, to secure your devotion to the Lord by anchoring yourself in God's word, in his truths. Secure your devotion to the Lord externally by, by serving the Lord. By having a faith outside of the weekend. We talked about this uh, last week, but there are, are plenty of so-called Christians or, or children who grow up in the church who after high school and get into college and university end up abandoning the faith, walking away from the faith. And again, there are a lot of factors to that, but it's those who live a consistent life, a devotion to God, not just on weekends, but all throughout the week. Those are the ones who stay in the church. Those who don't just have a weekend practice, but a daily devotion, a walk, a lifestyle. Listen, it's easy to jettison a religion, a set of rules that you learned growing up. It's harder to abandon a relationship. That is the call, that is, that is the, the, the vocation of those who are in this season of singleness, to dive deeper into your relationship with God, to grow deeper in love with the Savior and the things of God. Lastly, let's talk about a vision, a vision for singleness, and that is simply to enjoy the things of God, to enjoy the things of God. If the value in singleness is to focus on the things of God, and the vocation in, in singleness is to grow in the things of God. The vision that I want to set for our community and those who are single is to enjoy the things of God. Of all the difficulties I hear from those who are single that I've talked to and have expressed their sentiments in, in that season, of all the difficulties that they experience and you experience, is a feeling of loneliness. The feeling of loneliness, which oftentimes propels the, the sentiment of being discontent in that season, of wanting something more, of wanting something outside of that season, which, which perpetuates the desire to find a spouse even more, to escape that, 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 that feeling of loneliness, to escape that season of singleness. But as we've been studying, the Bible does not teach that marriage is the answer to happiness. The Bible does not teach that marriage is the answer to your loneliness. In fact, Paul actually says quite the opposite. Look at this, in verse 39, with me towards the end of, this, uh, of the chapter, he says, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. Paul is arguing from his perspective that you can be happier in singleness than being married. 
Now, please don't get that wrong, right? It's no doubt that this is Paul's conviction. Again, he says, he says in my judgment, right? He's, he's making personal, this is his conviction that he's presenting to the churches. This is not to say that, uh, this is not meant to be a, 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 sorry, a, 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 a general statement for all, that you can be happy outside of your, uh, or, enjoy, or have happiness outside of your marriage. So, you know, I, I don't want wives coming up, up to me after the service and be like, you told my husband that he could be happy without me. That's not what I'm trying to say, all right? But it is worth at least a look at as to why Paul remains happy despite being single. Despite being single from at least what we know for his entire adult life in ministry. Why was Paul so joyful? Why was he happy? Well, we see two reasons for this in his letters. He was joyful, first of all, in God, and secondly, in God's people. In God's people. In Philippians, in, in, Philippians, in Paul's letter to the, to the church of Philippi, his, his most joyful letter, despite being written in prison where he should have been in the pits of despair, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, I will say rejoice. He also says, therefore my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord. Paul's delight, his satisfaction, his joy was in God and in God's people. Firstly, it was, it was in knowing his Savior through the difficult trials, the, 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 the tribulations that he faced, that, that, the, the way that he, he was able to encounter the presence of the Savior in those trials brought him joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at that with me. This is after Paul talks about the thorn in his side and, and how he prayed it three times for it to be removed, but the Lord never removed it. But then he says in verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul found delight and satisfaction in the privilege of coming to Christ or coming to know Christ more, coming to experience the power and the presence of God more through his difficulty, through his, through his singleness, but also through his undivided devotion and focus towards God in his single years, in his singleness. That, by the way, right, that, that, that pursuit of of of, of knowing God more, of, of cultivating that relationship with God, that is, that, that's what heaven is all about. The paradise, the eternal rest and satisfaction that we will experience for all eternity in heaven as believers in Christ is not in a place, it's in knowing a person, our Savior. Jesus himself says in John 17, 3, he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, talking about God the Father, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
If joy is happiness in spite of circumstances, that joy is only secured in our relationship with Christ, the source of our joy. Again, that is where Paul's joy stemmed from. Why he says, to, he calls the churches to rejoice despite himself being in prison, despite him being single. His joy came from the Lord. But not only that, again, it is not just joy in Christ, but also in, in his people, in God's people. Again, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 says, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Even if Paul went to prison, experienced hardships and trials and persecutions and, and loneliness, if you went through the hardest of, of events in life, it would have been worth it all, knowing that it bolstered the faith of his brothers and sisters in Christ. He found joy and delight in that. That's the vision for those who are single. Not just to, to, to just, not just focus on the things of God or to grow in the things of God, but for you to enjoy with sincerity the things of God. God himself, your relationship with him, to find satisfaction and contentment in him, to find genuine relationship in him. And to find enjoyment with his people, to delight in the things of God, to delight in the, in the edification and, and serving of God's people. So if you're in that season, ask yourself. Ask yourself. If similar to Paul, your singleness would become the tool in which God uses to bring many to himself, to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ, wouldn't that be worth it? Wouldn't that be worth something? Wouldn't that be worth pursuing with all your passion and all your fervor? Despite the trials you might experience, despite the loneliness that you might experience in life, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be worth it all to know that your life, your season of singleness would be used to bring sinners to Christ. To build up the church of Christ. Those who are single, there is value in singleness. In that one, again, you, you get to focus on the things of God. Undivided, your, your attention, your energy, your efforts. You can put it all towards God. There is a vocation in singleness. You get to grow in the things of God. You get to dive deeper into his word. You get to, to, to spend more time in prayer. A lot of things that those who are married and those who are in that stage of life with kids know is a challenge. And finally, you get to, as those who are single, you get to Find your joy and contentment and satisfaction in the things of God. Invitation for us this morning, even as we, as we close this here, for those who aren't single, I, I want to, the ask is that you encourage those who are to disciple them, to check up on them. As, as we mentioned, 
You know, sometimes those single years can be the most loneliest of times. And instead of encouraging them to just find a spouse or go dating and, or download this dating app or whatever it is, check up on them. Bolster their faith. Edify them. But also, at the same time, take example for them, from them. If, if you, who are no longer single, you who are in later years, have lost the passion, the drive for the things of God, Again, as, as, as Paul calls Timothy to do, to be an example to other believers, we'll take example from those who, who are serving, those who are single and who are giving the, their all for the kingdom of God. And for those who are single, who are in that season, the invitation, the invitation is to pray that great catalytic prayer of many before. The great prayer that, uh, the great prayer of surrender, the great prayer of, of devotion to the Lord, to simply say, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, here I am, send me. Take all my energy, take all my passion, grow me, shape me, mold me into who you want me to be. Use me for your glory, whatever it takes. Lord, here I am, send me. The invitation is to grow deeper in love with the, love, with, with the lover of your soul. The invitation is to, to plant your roots deep in the truths of God's word. The invitation to, is to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to lift up at this time those who are in a season of singleness, a season of growth. And just as you've been calling us to do in your word this morning, that God, in this time of their lives, that you would secure their undivided devotion to you. That, God, you would plant them deep in your word, in your truths, in your presence. That their relationship with you would be bolstered and edified. That they would learn surrender. That they would learn submission to your spirit. That they would become sensitive, O oh Lord, to the leading of your spirit. That they might go wherever you send them. And I pray, oh God, for those who are single who might be struggling, oh Lord, in this stage of life, in this season of life, whether it be with loneliness or sin or feeling directionless or not really knowing where to go or being discontent in this season. I pray, Father God, that your word would bring truth and revelation to their hearts. God, you would have your that you would have your spirit to reinvigorate passion and a love for you. That, might, that they might go to the, the other ends of the earth, Lord God, for you. Just to serve the Savior that they love. 
that God, they might be satisfied and find joy, sincere joy in you. Lord, I pray that in this crucial time of their lives where they are discovering identity, they are figuring out their plans for the future, that God, you would guard those who are single of our church, God. That they would first and foremost follow your call for their life. That they would first and foremost follow your leading for their life and not the things of this world, not their own fleshly passions and desires, oh Lord, but they would put you first in their life, oh God. And Lord, as a church community, I pray that you'd help us to walk with those who are single in our church, to edify them, to disciple them, to pour into them, to to push them towards a relationship with you, first and foremost. Build them up, O God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. O Lord God, you know where we've fallen short, the areas in our lives, the areas in our seasons of life, Lord, where we have not demonstrated the greatest of faith, where we have wandered from your will. And I pray, God, that this day would be a day of life change, that you draw us back to you, that you'd help us recall, O Lord, the cross of Jesus Christ that allows us to have new life, that allows us and enables us to walk in newness of life in you, O Lord, to give us new purpose, new direction, as those who once walked in in darkness but now have been brought into your marvelous light. I pray, O God, that you'd help us live for your glory. Here we are, O Lord, send us in Jesus, your mighty name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.